we are going to start a new series today. It's going to be five weeks, and the title of the series is God's Garments. God's Garments. And the way Pastor Lewis just orchestrated this, he just did a phenomenal job. How many of you have been enjoying the Word of God coming from all of the ministers that have been up here on this stage and preaching the gospel to us and encouraging us and building us up? It's been a phenomenal time. And he's given us the, the responsibility of stewarding this vision. And so I want to say... Thank God and thank you to all of the faithful people who continue to tithe, continue to come, continue to stay on the wall and not come down. I want to say thank you. Give yourselves a great hand. Amen. So for five weeks, it's going to be the topic of God's garments. And week one, we're going to talk about the garment of new self, which is today. Week two, the garment of praise. Week three, the garment of humility, the garment of nature, the nature of Jesus, and week five, the garment of love. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing me to stand before you today. I thank you, God, because there is nothing you won't do for us according to your will. We've sung your word today. We have come in agreement with what you say about us and for us. And we stand today in your presence today. And we want to say thank you for that. Lord, I know, Father, that you said, if I open my mouth, you would speak for me. So I'm going to open my mouth, and I ask you to speak. Speak to the hearts and the minds of the people that will hear. Those watching online, Father, speak now in Jesus' name. Amen. I love to listen to men and women who preach the sound biblical doctrine of Jesus Christ. I could sit and listen for hours uh, just so that I can get understanding and revelation and deep insights from the word of God. I remember when I went to Bible school I don't know if I've told this here, but just listen to it again. You'll, you may get something else from it. Because uh, the whole um, thing behind this point is I went to Bible school, went all the way to Oklahoma, Tulsa, which actually Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Who's ever heard of Broken Arrow, Oklahoma? That's what I said when they first said you're going. I'm like, okay, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Anyway, uh, Dr. Hagen, he was one of our instructors. And it seemed like every single time I sat before him, he said the same thing over and over. And I'm like, God, you brought me all the way from Bridgeport, Connecticut to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, to allow me to show up in the class all the time with Dr. Hagen. It's nothing new, God. What's going on? So he spoke to me and said, it may be the same words, but you're not getting the revelation. You're not getting understanding, and you're not getting the meat and the rhema, which causes the word to come alive. And from that point on, I said, okay, God, give me your ears. Open up my heart. Open up my mind. Open up my ears so that I can hear. 
From that point on, that man never said the same thing ever. I got so much revelation, understanding out of him. And even today, the Holy Spirit told me, I want you to go back from the basics. And I'm reading every last one of his books because the Holy Spirit told me that he's going to mentor me as we move on. And truthfully, I believe that that whole college experience, that whole Bible school experience was for this time as I move on in my life. So that's what God meant. And so when you come to church, don't sit and say, oh, I'm gonna pick and choose, I'm gonna pick here, pick there. No, what you need to say is, Holy Spirit, quicken me so that I can get revelation and understanding that'll move me forward in my life. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you gotta hear it, you get a different level of understanding, illustrations, inspiration, revelation, wisdom. That's what the kingdom of God is all about right now. So there's the written word, and then there is the rhema word, there's the logos word, but each one of them brings us into the place that we need to be in. Jesus spent hours upon hours teaching and preaching. Sometimes it was to the multitude, sometimes it was to the twelve, and sometimes it was just the three, Peter, James, and John. And then there were times when he would just speak to John. How many of you know that John was his closest uh, disciple? They all give accounts of what they saw, heard, and witnessed. And the reason we are able to read about the Sermon on the Mount is because Matthew and Luke, Luke took good notes when Jesus preached. So I hear if you take good notes, <laughs> you get to heaven quicker, okay? So that's why we're able to read the word of God today. The shorter version in the gospel uh, of the Mount, uh, the Sermon on the Mount and the gospel of Luke, and then the longer version we can see in the gospel according to Matthew. John was one of Jesus' best students and all of them spent time with Jesus and they wrote down the things that they heard and saw. John, at the end of his book, writes this in John 21, 24, 25. It says, this is the disciple who testifies to these things, speaking about himself, and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. The 20th verse says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. So John had a whole lot more to tell, but it ended up in 21 chapters. And chapters now, because that's how it's translated for our convenience. How many of you know about the story of Nicodemus? Nicodemus, the Bible says, came to Jesus by night. So before anybody ever told me, I said, you know what? That sounds like the first episode of Nick at Night. How many of you watched Nick at Night? Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. That was the first episode 2,000 years ago of Nick at Night. Now, let's read the story. It says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night 
and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him and said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Let's say that together. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So turn around and tell your neighbor, you must be born again. Tell somebody else, you must be born again. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? And can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So then he said, do not marvel, don't be surprised that I said to you, you must be born again. Turn around and tell somebody else, you must be born again. He said, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things? That was kind of like me sitting in that seat, like not that I was this scholar or anything, but I'm like, God, I don't, I don't get it. There's a reason why. <laughs> so this, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you did not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. Then he says that whoever believes in him may have eternal life, eternal life, not eternal damnation, eternal life. So today's topic is the garment of new self. Our foundational scripture comes from Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, and I'm going to go ahead and read that. So just bear with me. It says to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through the deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The Pharisees, let's go back to Nicodemus. The Pharisees formed the largest and most influential political party. Nicodemus had the best religious training. He belonged, like I said, to the most influential religious and political party. He was wealthy. He lived in a nice home. He wore the best robes. He was well off. If he and his family lived in our day, how many of you can bet that his, his wife probably wore the, net, the best name brand clothes around, right? So this brings me to my first point. 
My first point is the garment of new life is better than Gucci. <laughs> the garment of new life is better than Gucci. So I don't care what you're wearing today, it's better than that. So Nicodemus had all that he could have, and I'm sure his family displayed the best. But Nicodemus found out that night that all he had wasn't good enough. Nicodemus found out that nothing he possessed could compare to the new self that Jesus was talking about. None of his prestige, none of his status quo could earn him the eternal life that Jesus was offering. Nothing in this natural world, none of our material possessions can compare to eternal life. That which is flesh is flesh. Let's look at Ephesians 2, 1 through 2. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you follow the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. Jesus told Nicodemus that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. God quickens our spirit. He is the one. He quickens every born-again believer's spirit and makes his spirit alive. Our spirits were dead to God, but God creates it and makes it alive in him. God causes the believer to be born again spiritually when he believes in his word. That's why it's so important to believe in his word and get understanding. With all thy getting, get understanding. It is God who shapes the outline of the new self. And then he saturates it with his holiness and his righteousness. God actually places his divine nature into the heart of every believer. So that brings me to point two which is the garment of new self, of new life, or new self, positioned us in righteousness, fashioned us for life's runway. So it causes us to be positioned in righteousness, fashioned for life's runway. Anybody ready to get on the runway of life? The scripture says in Philippians 2, 1 through 3, it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Me, when I used to get dressed, and now I grew up in a low-income home. My mother was a single parent. And um, we didn't have many clothes. My sister seemed to have a whole closet full of clothes. And I would go to her closet and steal her clothes. Steal, yes, I would steal because we lived in a 15, 15, 15 no, eight-story building. It's 15 buildings, but Beersley Terrace. Anybody know Beersley Terrace? That's, that's where I'm from. So, um, but she would, I mean, I don't know where she got money to buy these clothes. But my sister was always laid, decked, she would take 
go in the store with $10 and come out with something every single time. But then I started thinking the other day, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> hmm, but I know, no, she's probably watching. No, I know you didn't steal this. So, but she had the ability to turn a penny over. I mean, she sold, she created things, she would mix and match, and she had the closet that I always went through. I was in the middle, so I had, she was above me, then I had another sister above me, and I had a younger sister below me who would steal my clothes, but my clothes were really my sister's clothes, so we'd all get in trouble for stealing her clothes. So, um, in the kingdom of God, your wardrobe is already picked out. So... <laughs> I used to stand in the closet. How many of you do? Have you ever gone to the refrigerator and um, opened up the refrigerator and there's absolutely nothing in there that you want? Five minutes later, you go back to the same refrigerator thinking that something is going to pop up in there. Still the same thing because you, ain't, you didn't go shopping. You didn't put anything else in it. But I, I know that me, I could stand in my closet for hours trying to create something out of nothing. You know, dreaming about if I had this, I could do this. or, And, you know, somehow you end up coming out of the closet. And truth be, I had a, a wardrobe accident this morning. So I'm like, honey, you got to help me. And I'm late. I'm, you know, just going crazy. That's why I was, got here at 820. And I was like, man. Um, but anyway, how many of you ever had wardrobe mishaps? Come on now, be truthful. Everybody need to raise their hand because you know you left the house sometime. And you, when you got here, you'd be like, oh, my God, what in the world? What did I do? You know, and, um, and I, I didn't have a choice. And, you know, this morning, you know, it just happened to be Pentecost Sunday. And so I had to put on this blouse. And I'm like, oh, my God, Lord, let all the Pentecost people, Pentecostal people show mercy. Because this you don't do, right? <laughs> so, so have mercy. It's Pentecost Sunday, right? But anyway, um, yeah, so we, we know we don't do certain things in certain places. So, but... In the kingdom of God, your wardrobe is already picked out. You ain't got to sit in the closet for four hours try to figure out what you're going to wear. Because he has already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He already seated us with him. We're already joint heirs and heirs with God. Amen? So we already have everything that we need. Right? So that um, we, when we... The, even when we decide to fall or, or sin, we know that we can always come back to God. And he'll still give us the wardrobe that he promised. And, he, and you know, he, he's not like my sister. He ain't going to beat you up because when I, <laughs> if she caught me downstairs with something, I had to go upstairs. She was like, you ain't moving. You ain't going nowhere until you go upstairs and change. So, so in the scripture, in our core scripture today, we can see there is contrast where he's telling us what to put on and what to take off. And how many of us know that if you want to be a representative of the kingdom, you got to put on what he says to put on and take off what he says to take off? Because our wardrobe has already been selected. And so we know that we, if the Bible talks about in the fourth chapter that there were some people who were greedy. 
Instead, if they would have looked within, because everything that we need is already in our closet. Our spirit man is our closet that dwells everything that we need. He said he gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So we get uh, wisdom for ignorance. We get self-control for sensuality. We get purity for impurity. This is in the book. It's in the Bible. (laughs) The fourth chapter of Ephesians. We get encouragement for corrupt talk. We can pull out of ourselves peace. We can go in that closet and pull out peace in the midst of the storm. Hallelujah. We can get joy when there is sorrow because we don't have to look somewhere else for it because it's already in the closet of our spirit. He's already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So we don't need to seek for it here or seek for it there. So many of us, I understand that we do go for counseling and yes, we need to do that. But he said he's already given you everything. He's already given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. We can pull love instead of hate. We can pull forgiveness instead of unforgiveness. We can draw, hallelujah, favor. Thank you, Lord. We can draw faith instead of fear. We can draw patience instead of anxiety. Anybody getting the word today? You never have to overdress or underdress or worry if you have something that doesn't match when you pull from the inner man that dwells everything that we need. When you model for a fashion company, they supply your garments. You're not wearing what you want to wear. You're wearing what they want you to wear, right? And so when you get on that runway and you strut yourself, you're strutting what they want you to strut. God wants us to be a display of his glory, which comes out of our inner man. And guess what? One size fits all. (laughs) You're not getting something different. You're getting the same thing because he gives us all the same measure of faith. It says in 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4, it says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Amen? Amen. Jesus' words to Nicodemus, because he continues in that third chapter, And that's where the scripture says in John 3, 16, for God, and we've quoted this thing a million, billions, billions of times, but I really want to ask you the question, where are you quoting it from, here or here? Did that thing go from here to here or is it still here? Because if it's coming from here, you're going to run and get the loss. Because that night, He opened up Nicodemus' eyes, and I believe that night Nicodemus opened up his heart. And the scripture says, for God so loved the world, that's what he said to Nicodemus, (laughs) that he gave his only son, speaking of himself, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in the world that the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, which leads me to my third point, which is the new self wasn't purchased 
off of the clearance rack. Now, I love the clearance rack. <laughs> That's the first place I go when I go in. Come on now. Come on. If you can get it cheaper, it's better. <laughs> right? If you can get it cheaper, it looks better. But, but, but our salvation wasn't purchased off of the clearance rack. <laughs> our salvation was purchased by the blood, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The scripture says, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they made the first garments out of leaves. But they were not suitable to cover sin. The first consequence of Adam and Eve's sin is mentioned in Genesis 3-7. It says, in that the eyes of both were open and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths, which means garments. Suddenly, now they're self-conscious after they did that about their bodies. But their rebellion against God, there was no shame. The man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. That's what the Bible says. Now there is shame. Why? No longer is there peace with God. They, they were guilty, defiled, and they became unworthy. They chose to be independent from God. Genesis 3, 7 says that they tried to cope with this new situation by making garments, clothing. <laughs> and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths, garments. Adam and Eve's effort to clothe themselves was a sinful effort. To conceal what had really happened. Now, conceal. They tried to hide from God. Their nakedness felt too revealing and too vulnerable. So they tried to close the gap between what they were and what they ought to be covering what was. And presenting themselves in a different way. Because when God calls them, he said, Adam, where are you? God knew very well where he was, but he needed Adam to understand where he was. And the scripture says in Genesis 3.21, it says, The Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and cloth and clothed them. So what does it mean that God clothed them? Because he clothed them, not with leaves, but he clothed them with animal skin. Listen. The gap between what they were and what they ought to be, it was huge. So covering themselves with clothing was the right response. But they, what they did was they tried to conceal instead of confess. Wow, this is good. They were trying to hide it instead of confessing it. So the problem with us is we try to conceal everything. My God. Isn't it so interesting how God will stick you out sometimes? You trying to hide that stuff. You know, you're trying to tuck it under. You're trying to make it so nobody sees it. And you think you don't even see it. You know, you talk yourself out of the sin that you're in, right? So the problem is 
we try to conceal it. But as long as sin is concealed, it cannot be forgiven. We have to expose it, admit it. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sin, God is faithful to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us woo, from all unrighteousness. Glory to God. So don't conceal the sin like Adam and Eve did. Let's confess the sin and give God access to continue. Because when we confess our sins, he comes back and he places us right back in the same place that we were before we sinned. And we get to enjoy his righteousness because we are the righteousness of God. One practical implication of this is that we're going to talk about public nudity. Today, it's not a return, amen, to innocence, but a rebellion against moral reality. So I know none of us have ever been to a nudist colony, right? Ooh, don't tell on yourself. But anyway, don't conceal it. Confess it. No, no. Um, but God ordains clothes as a witness to the glory and innocence we lost. So while the leaves couldn't cover it, God uh, slayed an animal and took the blood and covered it, right? This weekend we went away and um, we went to, for some training. When they sent us travel tips, I want to share this with you, it's funny because it took us way back. So these travel tips said, when packing, plan to be comfortable and casual, but please abide by our dress code policies. These are in place for your safety and to uphold the values and reputation of the ministry when ministering in the streets. We were in the streets. Oh, my God, we had an amazing time. It says, your tops must be long enough and your pants high enough. No midsection can be seen. No spaghetti straps. No, no, no spaghetti strap tops, no low-cut tops, shorts and skirts must be no shorter than just above your knee. Now, <laughs> just above your knee. And then they, this is how they measure it, three fingers above your knee. So you're, we're supposed to measure where those shorts were. So some of us got it and some of us didn't. No sweatpants or athletic shorts for ministry activities. No leggings, no jeggings. I don't even know what those are. For ministry activities, we suggest wearing a long top to cover up if you wear these items on your personal time. Now, modesty is in the Bible, right? We can be modest and modern, right? We can be modern and modest. So it's still a thing that God re requires of us. But I just thought I'd share that with you because it just really took us way back. But God gives us guidelines so that we can stay within his safety. If Adam and Eve would have stayed within the guidelines, they would still be in the Garden of Eden. And we would be, we, we would, I don't know how we would be, but God said to be fruitful and multiply. So there was going to be a whole lot of people on the earth, right? And there was going to be, you know, this, this eternal place that we, we live in, that we're looking forward to now. And so I'm going to ask you to stand right now, and we're going to close this sermon. So God really has a positive meaning when he, when he clothed Adam and Eve with the animal skin. 
it was not only to witness to the glory that they had lost in a confession that they were not what they should be, but it was also a testimony that God himself one day would make man what he should be. And he did that when he sent his son Jesus. God rejected Adam and Eve's covering. Then he did it himself. He showed mercy with the superior clothing. He sent Jesus to the cross. And he paid the price that no man could pay. So the salvation you wear today came with a high price. It wasn't bought off the clearance rack. It was not bought at a bargain price. He didn't negotiate. He did what he said he was going to do. Right in the book of Genesis, he promised that he would send his seed. He didn't do it for a sales price. So if you're looking for a bargain, it's not the salvation. Because he requires all. All. He didn't do it for a discounted price. It was the price of his precious blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Jesus shed his blood to cover us, to cleanse us, to clothe us with a garment of the new man. And many of us have already been made new in Jesus. And we work from the inside out because Jesus has made us new. And Nicodemus, in chapter 19, we can see Nicodemus going to the grave, going to get the body of Jesus. And you know what Nicodemus did? This was the third time that Nicodemus showed up on Jesus' behalf. Read it. You know what Nicodemus did? He bought a mixture of mirth so that his body could be embalmed. The Bible says that they took the body of Jesus and they wrapped it in linen cloth. That was Nicodemus' way of honoring Jesus. My question to you today, how are you honoring him? How are you honoring him? Did you honor him by accepting the work on the cross and allowing him to come into your heart? Did you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and accept him yet as your Lord and your Savior? That's how we honor him. It's not a time to try to get by or try to uh, cheapen the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus gave all and he requires for us to give all. Lift your hands with me today. As I look around this room, I know that there is somebody in here that has not given their heart to the Lord. So I'm going to say to you, come and let us pray for you. And we're going to transition from service to service through the prayer. And I'm going to close out as we go. So if I'm going to ask the altar workers to come if you can quickly. And we are going to transition. But I know, I believe that there is someone who is kind of like Nicodemus. 
You came by night. You came by night. And you were trying to do it on the DL. But I'm here to let you know. He said, if you be ashamed of me on earth, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. And maybe you just need to recommit yourself to the Lord. So I'm going to ask you to just start coming. Coming now. Come now. Because you need to be like Nicodemus. Find that linen cloth in your process of life. And honor God today. Say, God, Jesus, I thank you for what you did. You paid the ultimate price for my salvation. You, pray, you paid the ultimate price for my salvation. But I've been holding back. You know, I've been trying to conceal things. We're not here to expose you. This, that's all between you and God. He said, if you confess your sins, and, and not only that, you can come and you can confess your sins and you can ask somebody to touch and agree with you because you've been struggling with something. You need to admit that. You need to expose that. You need to confess that. Yes. Don't hold back. Come now. Come now. The Spirit of the Lord is talking and he's talking to you. Come now. We're not here to embarrass you. We're here to help you. Jesus. Maybe this is your night like Nicodemus. So you just tiptoe yourself up here and you say, Jesus, I want to have a conversation with you because I need help. I'm tired of covering up. I need you, Jesus. Come now. Come now and allow the altar ministry to minister to you, to help you. Come on, I can look some of you people in the eye and you know you need to come. Come in Jesus' name. Come, don't hold back. Jesus is here. The power of God is here. The prayer of agreement is powerful. You need to be delivered. Come. Come to Jesus. Come. 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 